And we'll turn again to Luke, Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. And we'll read the first seven verses through together. Luke chapter 2, reading from verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Let's just pause again and pray and ask for God's help. Our Father, as we come again to your word this morning, we ask for your Holy Spirit to work powerfully and bringing your truth to us and even changing us Um, by your word this morning into the likeness of the Lord Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. It was the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring. Not even a mouse. I wonder does anyone know these words? Yes, we know these words very well. We have a book of this poem. And the book sits under our tree from the day we put up our Christmas tree until Christmas Eve. And then on Christmas Eve, when everyone's ready for bed, we will take the book from under the tree, we'll read it together, and we won't see it again then until next Christmas. It's one of our traditions at Christmas time. I really enjoy these traditions, things that we expect every year. Well, of course, this is the night before Christmas, and I wonder what your expectations are for tomorrow. I wonder if some of the kids brave enough to tell me what they are hoping for on Christmas morning. (laughs) Go on, Patrick. You're busting to get it out. Tell us. A go kart. What's anyone else hoping for? A which? A brand new game. Wow. Caleb, what are you after? Are you after anything? A Mario game. Not sure? What about Aaron? What's he after? Sweets. Oh, that's a good one, Aaron. That's a good one. And what about George? What's he after? Sweets too, maybe? Yeah. Well, maybe tomorrow morning we'll find out if your expectations have been met or not. 
But of course there was a lot of expectation on the very first Christmas. A lot of expectation for the one that God would send to rescue his people. There are some 300 prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament. God over and over and over again um, told his people that he would send one to deliver them, um, to free them, and to bring them peace. As far back as Genesis 3, God promised that one would come to crush Satan. He would come from the family of the great patriarch, from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're told he would be a faithful prophet. He would be heir of the greatest king, King David, who would rule and reign forever. He would be a wonderful counsellor, the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father. He would be the mighty God, the one who would come and who would reveal all the very glory of God. Expectation was high. People had been waiting, been expecting for days, for weeks, for months, for years, for decades, for centuries. And yet when Jesus came, it was strikingly underwhelming. He did not meet the expectations of him. And we've read from Luke 2 how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. We're told in those days. It's not like the night before Christmas, which is a made-up poem. In those days was a way of saying, at a real place and a real time. And this is verified by the mention of Caesar Augustus, the emperor, and Quirinius, who was governor at the time. And Caesar Augustus, the ruler of the Roman Empire, he called for a census to be taken, probably um, for taxation purposes. And so this caused Joseph and Mary to make the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The journey was about 80 miles, which would have to be done on foot. Now, it wasn't necessary for Mary to go. She could have stayed with family, but perhaps Joseph just simply wanted to keep her close to himself, to care for her. Perhaps he was glad of the opportunity to get away from Nazareth and what was the scandal of her pregnancy. And we're told in verse 6 that while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and led him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. An inn is likely a, a guest room in a house. Um, hospitality was very important in the time and culture. And it, a home would have had probably three spaces um, with a large central living area and to one side a guest room um, for, for hospitality and to the other side a space for the animals. And as the guest room were, were taken up, um, one family gave Joseph and Mary the, the space that was used for, for animals. 
the, the main living area and the space for animals would be divided by a half wall, so the main living space would, would be able to see and hear all that was going on. And of course the area would have been very busy because of the senses, so possibly even those passing by were able to see and hear what was going on. We don't know how long Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem before the baby was born. We tend to presume it was the evening they arrived or the next day. We don't actually know if animals were present. Probably more likely they weren't actually in where they were. But, but without think, even thinking about all these details, what, what is most remarkable here, I believe, is the underwhelming nature of the arrival of the mighty God, the eternal King. It wasn't what anyone expected of God's promised rescuer. And this would continue to be the pattern of Jesus' life. Jesus continued time and again to fail to meet many expectations of him. We go further and look, in Luke 7 we see that the Jews did not expect him to grow up in Galilee, especially not in Nazareth. I mean, no one expected him to have his closest following made up with fishermen and tax collectors. And we see time and time again that Jesus failed to meet the expectations of the religious leaders. The Samaritan woman, she didn't expect Jesus to take time with her and engage with her and and actually transform her life. Jesus' disciples continued to have wrong expectations of Jesus. Peter famously rebuked Jesus for speaking about his death and resurrection because, well, this wasn't Peter's expectation of what Jesus should be and do. No one expected the Son of God would be convicted of blasphemy. And certainly no one expected the Son of God would die. But no one expected Jesus would be raised to life again. You see, Jesus didn't meet many expectations that people had, but actually who he was and what he did to far exceeded their expectations. You see, the problem was not that their expectations were too high, but actually that they were far too low. Many of his day expected he would come as a political ruler, that he would fight, perhaps defeat the Romans, that he would bring a measure of peace in Jerusalem. But their expectations were far too low. It's interesting that Jesus came um, during the time of Caesar Augustus. Because Caesar actually managed to achieve quite a measure of political peace through the Roman Empire after decades of war and violence. And was working successfully to build the structure of the empire up again. In fact, people knew him as a saviour. A saviour who would bring peace, hope, and good news. And of course those words are familiar to us, aren't they, in the next section of Luke, the announcement to the shepherds. 
Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Jesus, the Son of God, was born in an unexpected way to be an unexpected saviour. One writer says, the ultimate good news for the world is not contained in a decree of Caesar, but in the divine proclamation from heaven. The true saviour of the world was not seated in power in Rome, but laid in cloths in a feeding trough. And perhaps as Luke was writing here, he intentionally wanted his audience to make the comparison between this human saviour and divine saviour. Perhaps he wanted his audience to see that Jesus came to do what no earthly ruler could ever do. Jesus came to live perfectly before God. To present himself as the perfect sacrifice on the cross in place of sinners. To deliver us from sin's punishment. To give us the hope of being free from sin's presence and to one day know perfect and eternal peace and joy. The unexpected Saviour exceeds all our expectations. In Ephesians, Paul takes time to explain how Peace with God comes. It comes through the blood of Jesus Christ, which brings us near to God and near to each other. And that section finishes with well-known words from Paul. So Paul has just explained how we we get peace is through the blood of Christ. And he finishes by saying, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Perhaps like the people in Jesus' day, we have expectations of Jesus of what he should do for us here and now. And perhaps we've even been disappointed by Jesus not meeting those expectations. But perhaps our expectations are set far too low. You know, we can be too focused on what Jesus hasn't done for us in this temporary life, that we fail to miss the reality of what he has done for us and has given to us eternally. I wonder what your expectations are for this Christmas, 
sometimes we get gifts different to what we expect and, and that's a really good thing. We, we never expected we would be given so much. Other times Christmas is not what we expect because of hurt or disappointment or bereavement or many other little things that just means our plans don't work out as we expect it. You see, Christmas is not about our expectations being met, but it's about salvation exceeding all our expectations. If you're met this year with a Christmas that is full of joy, of giving, receiving, socialising, one that feels peaceful, yes, certainly give thanks for that. But allow that to point you to a greater eternal peace and joy that comes from your Saviour. Perhaps you're facing Christmas weary from sin, weighed down by guilt. May you look to your Saviour and know the joy and peace of sins forgiven. Or perhaps you're facing a Christmas with disappointment, grief, loneliness remember that Jesus has not failed to be your saviour he laid down his life for you he suffered that you would be free from all suffering and he is returning to grant you his perfect and eternal joy and peace Jesus came the unexpected saviour to give us more than we could ever think or imagine. Let us pray together. Our Father and our God, we are thankful again um, for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he came um, as a divine saviour to save us and rescue us um, from our sin. God, just help us to grasp again what that really means. And we pray for those who are looking forward to the next few days, who are excited and who will enjoy much of what is ahead. May we give you thanks for that. And may we realise that you have always, always given us so much more. Help us never to set our expectations too low. Father, for those of us who are down by sin and guilt, may we know the peace of sins forgiven that our Saviour brought us. And Father, for those of us dreading the next few days and wanting to get just a few weeks ahead, May they know you again as your Saviour, the one who has laid down his life for them, the one who has brought eternal freedom from all suffering and pain. And may they rest in Christ today. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen.